Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santa, joined, as always, by the big Tony, to my little Tony. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I feel like one of the greatest working actors of all time. Yeah, but I think that little Tony is is the is the is the better Tony. I don't know. But our very own Chow Yun Fat, Eric Ronnebeck, honoring you with my favorite. Oh wow. That's that's something else. And that's uh let's be clear, this is early career Chow Yun Fat, not current yeah. career Chow Yun Fat. Dude. Uh, excuse me, I will take any Chow Yun Fat and you can watch that slander right out your mouth. One of one of my one of someone I know recently watched uh, Hard Boiled for the first time and they just gave Ooh. it a they gave it a four and a half star review on Letterboxd and they just wrote Dudes Rock. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's accurate. Dude, dudes rock. They so they they do, man. They do. Okay. So um, we're uh we're we're gonna bring up hard boiled about seven more times. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so this uh this is it. This is it. We hit we hit the end. And the last two games, I'm not gonna lie to you, have had trouble holding my attention because uh they, the they, sound of inevitability. Yeah, it's just like they didn't matter. <laughs> it was just like I was just watching them out of like obligation. Like I love the team and I want to kind of I actually did feel like I gleaned some nice information about maybe the direction of the team based on what I what I saw. But man, it just like sucks. It sucks because for the last I don't know how long, uh, 13 years, every single Seahawks game was meaningful football, you know, and, yeah. it, and we're super spoiled by it. We're super spoiled by it because Eric, I know let's go back in the Wayback Machine. I mean, you are you go back the farthest out of all this but i mean the seahawks were playing some meaningless football for years and years right oh yeah and it wasn't i don't know it was enjoyable because you liked football but there was like this are we ever going to be good like we're just we're never going to be good and then the dennis erickson years here's the thing is (laughs) (laughs) too soon kevin too soon uh dennis erickson was like oh we're, we're getting good it was a high spot yeah but I then remember- we're but then it, it was fine because it was followed up with holmgren and obviously there was success there but it still took a while you know and pete pete took uh he didn't take a while but let's face it he, after two years i was like so we're just gonna we're just gonna be this median team forever like seven and nine forever Jeez. uh and then along came russell wilson yeah i just remember uh was it Erickson? Erickson, we had the last game where we could make the playoffs. And, yes, uh, and we had and to beat the Chiefs. The Dol- oh, no, I thought it was the Dolphins. No, the Dolphins was um, the Dolphins was the John Kitna game, and that was yeah. Holmgren's first year. Oh, okay, that was Holmgren's first year. Okay, that's the, that's the one. We that was- made the playoffs, but we lost to the Dolphins by a lot. Or by three, by three. No, by three. I was going to say that game was close, and I remember just I was sitting there. It was there by three, like- but the next week the Dolphins lost by something like I think 40 I'm, points to the Jaguars. I'm like 13 years old. I'm with my grandpa, and I'm just we're just so pissed the whole game. Yeah, I just <laughs> it was not satisfying. But I think Erickson went like eight and eight or seven, eight and eight three times, I think, out of He missed seven the playoffs the by game. like a game on, in the last season, and, and he was like, well, Including I- the game that's responsible for uh, uh, reviews. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Phantom Jets touchdown. Yeah, that is the second. A lot of people say that, that was last game of the season. That was Vinny. Second to the last. It's uh, the big problem in general with like that era of Seahawks was the quarterbacks were just. Uh, yeah, it was. It, we we passed off from bad quarterback to bad quarterback year after well, year. The uh, the, the trying to, Trubisky's trying to win, trying to win with with guys that are were really 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 hard to win with back then. But so that's the thing is we've been spoiled so John much. What my main point here is I've been spoiled so much that I just like normally normally you know it's real easy for me to uh to, to just invest you know to be like so invested in this year it's like. Well, you know, we can't even make the playoffs. So, like, every time my son would run up to me, you know, I'd just let him talk my ear off and do whatever he wanted or whatever. And it's like, in a, in a, if we're playing for playoffs, I'd be like, get out of here, kid. You know, like, just, I'm trying to watch the game. But now it's just like, I had, I had trouble focusing, you know, I had trouble focusing because it's just like, oh, I'll just watch it later. I'll watch the replay later on the, the game, the, uh, the, um, the condensed game film. So, I don't know. It's very, it's very strange, very strange, uh, set of emotions for me. What I'm trying to say, is that Seahawks actually played really good in this game, <laughs> like yeah. uh, exceptionally well. looks looked like a really really good football team. Um, something I noticed throughout the game, a couple things. Uh, let's start with the offense. Uh, the, first of all, this offensive line was open up some holes for our boy Rashad Penny, and he has the patience to find them. Does he not? Uh, Kevin, Kevin, tell me, tell me, tell me a little bit. Uh, give me some Rashad Penny love. I'm ready. Oh. 
All right. So um, it's been a mixture of frustrating and validating the last, what, five games to see what Rashad Penny is and what we knew that he could be. Um, He's a guy who needs to touch the ball at least 15 times because every time he touches the ball, it might be like 15 or more yards. And for a team that has struggled all year to get first downs, to have a guy who every time he touches the ball might get you a first down on that play is um, a really big weapon. I think that has a lot to do with kind of the difference in the offense last little while. And the big thing for him is he has patience as a runner, but once he decides to like turn up field, he has the juice to get through the line really quickly and the cuts that he makes, like if you go back and watch these games, there's a lot of cuts where he's taking the backside on a run or something. But, um, you know, Eric knows from the old Sean Alexander days, and I know Nathan, uh, we lamented this at the time. Sean Alexander early in his career would go side to side so much. And he had to learn how to go north south in order to pick up yardage and become the back he ended up being. Um, Penny has this really good habit of taking a cutback lane while still moving upfield. How yeah. do you know that he? How do you know that early in his career, Rashad Penny didn't do that? You know, we don't know. He was just hurt. <laughs> just kept messing with people. <laughs> but we I don't know if he was, he was using the straight button Madden. <laughs> hey, yeah, this game's crazy. This this stat line for him is crazy. The though. savvy 20, veteran back, twenty three carries, hundred and ninety yards, one hundred and thirty seven of his yards coming after contact, missed. Four forced missed tackles. Um, Rashad Penny in the last six weeks led the uh, led the league in uh, rushing yards over the last six weeks of the season. Uh, he was the best. Run- I mean, pretty much he was the he was the best running back in the in the league uh, the last six weeks, uh, without a doubt. I mean, it's it's pretty. His stat his stats are are pretty insane for how how little he played. Uh, you know, he he had twenty seven forced missed tackles and just just the limited playing time that he got the the sporadic appearances over four games in the, these last few weeks. That's more than uh, that's like the same as James Robinson, Alexander Madison, Leonard Fournette. Like these are guys that started all year, right? That he's just outperforming. And so, yeah, it's it's crazy to think um, what 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 he could be capable of if he could ju- just stay healthy, right? So that becomes the question that we have to ask now is. Is Rashad Penny? Uh, is he, is he going? By the way, first Oof. in elusive, first in PFF's uh, elusive rating too. One twelve point one. Second place was Nick Chubb, one hundred seven point nine. Uh, so yeah, just an excellent, excellent season. My boy Javante Williams coming in a little bit behind that. But do do the do, what's the what's your price? What's your number? Name your price number because the the thing about Rashad Penny is is you there's a million justifiable contracts at this point, right? The way that he ran. So, Eric, start us off. What's what's your uh, what's your Rashad Penny price? And do you want me to give you a couple contracts from last year that maybe I think he he could be around? Uh, give me give me two because I have a feeling. Oh. I think I know where he's going to. We didn't pick up his sixth year option or fifth year which, option, by the way. So which we could have had four and a half million, right? Four and a half, which, which made right. a ton of sense when we did that. So last year, Kenyon Drake got two twelve, and I think that's a very fair uh, starting yeah. point for for plus or minus. So that's. Two twelve. Uh, so th- I think that's a that's a good one. I think that's like the the one when I look at last year's running back class uh, that I would go off of. Um, unless you think like he's gonna just strike out like James Conner did or something, where he's just gonna get like two million for one year. But I just don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, James Conner got what one year one point seven mil. Something yeah, like that. yeah, something. Yes, that's one point seven five. That's, is exactly right. That, that's wishful thinking. Uh, I think Rashad Penity, Penity, it's I'm Mr. now a Penity. I'm, I'm now a Q13 <laughs> box announcer for Penity. <laughs> By the way, but this game was disappointing because we I missed a keep to lead this week. Uh, so do you think Rashad, that? Okay, do you think that a keep to lead was trapped with the Seahawks and then he was like because of the snow and then he was like get me out of here I gotta watch a different team play football I can't yeah I can't I can't, I can't take this anymore. This anymore. <laughs> Just it's too it's too much for me. Yeah, so. Rashad Penny is probably looking at six and a half million a year at the at the low end. I think that we may be able to get him on what a about, friend deal. What about Melvin Melvin Gordon's contract? That's, what about Melvin Gordon's contract? That's what is that's it? um 
that's two sixteen. That's that. I think that's as high as we would go, right? So like, I'm thinking, yeah, eight. It's going to cap at eight and probably settle on the low end at six and a half. That's too much. I want to pay for a running back, especially since we have Chris Carson still on the team and I, supposedly looking great. But you know, yeah, hot means. take. I don't think Chris Carson ever carries of NFL football anymore. Like, yeah, I, I think you're right. That that neck injuries are really scary, and I know Pete Carroll is really positive, like oh he's looking great. But he also said that Chris Carson was looking great one week before he put him on season-ending IR. So I don't I don't know about that yeah. <laughs> that, that one. He Good likes point. to build a guy up. Uh, Kevin, you got an opinion, strong opinion on the uh, thing? Yeah, the, um, I check? think with his injury history, two twelve is the ceiling. I think it's be I, more like two eight or two ten. I don't or, think there's any. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think there's any way he comes in under the Gus Edwards deal. That was one I looked up the other day, which was three twelve. I agree. So that'd be two eight or three twelve. Yeah. I think he beats two eight. I just at this point you can't put up like that many weeks in a row of just like dominant running back performances and not trick someone into giving you at least five million dollars. Yeah, the thing is that um, he has because uh, what are we paying Carson? Four and a half. Tariq Cohen got five million AAV. What are you paying Carson? Hmm. Four and a half. Five and a half. Five and a half. So I and that's Chris Carson with uh, multiple thousand yard seasons and what wasn't as bad of an injury history as Rashad Penny. So I I think that that's part of what plays into the equation as well. So Chris Carson I, has a pretty bad injury history though. Like, I know, and we're comparing it to pennies. He's, he's, <laughs> I, no, I know he's, who I'm comparing it to. <laughs> so over over Chris Carson's first four seasons, he missed 12, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 games. How many games did Penny miss? It can't 26? be that. It can't be that many more than that. Uh, let's see. He played 14 in his first season, so that's two. Then six, so that's eight. And then he missed four, 22. That they're like the same. I think that they're gonna get like I think Chris Carson deal actually might be a really good comparison. That's like I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so somewhere around two ten, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, two two five. And I think and I would take that. Yeah, that's maybe we, maybe we can twelve. I'd love it to give him a little bit more guarantees, but give us a lower number. Maybe we can do some void years. <laughs> <laughs> love them void years. Really into void years right now, guys. Uh, they get me. They really get void years. Really get me going. So, all right, uh, Kevin, I'll let you start us off with the run game. Eric, this is a good game for the passing game, too, though. What do you, you think of the performance by our wide receivers? Two touchdowns from Lockett. We had a, a nice uh, nice touchdown from Swain. Uh, Metcalf got, got off for 10 targets, finally. He actually got some targets. What what'd do you think about the, uh, the performance by the pass game in this one? I mean, Russ, it's kind of weird because Russell Wilson had such a up and down year, even when he was healthy, it wasn't, it wasn't great early on. He got, he got killed. He came back too early. You thought everything was then healed after four games of coming back. And then you'd have a bad game. Uh, I have no idea what to think about this team going forward, but uh, you know, over 200 yards passing three interceptions. I'm sorry, three touchdowns. This, wasn't this like the maximum Russell Wilson stat line, like a 26 uh, pass attempts, 238 yards, three touchdowns. Like, I would say it just, was, but his completions weren't on. Uh, there were not what I want to see from Russ. You know, he, he missed the pick six. Exactly. And the 15 for 26 wasn't very vintage Russ. Um, but I'll say this about the receivers. Tyler Lockett, still Mr. Seahawk, uh, taking over Alvin Davis's role uh, on the Mariners. I'm sorry, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Alvin Davis for a second. You gotta uh, love these guys. You gotta love these guys. Freddie Swain with an awesome, not exactly wheel route, but um, so just a, did, a great pass can we, reception. To can we do a single play breakdown on that for a second? Yeah, go for like, it. Like, um, so basically, like, I love that play because. In this game, it's a it's such a coaching it's such a coaching win. This is like one of those things where the quarterback and the offensive coordinator sat down and talked about this and then just owned them. Uh, they're basically they they're cloud covering DK like the whole game, and they're doing all this stuff to to keep DK under wraps. So they ran this like combination route on that side of the field where DK ran up and then in and draws both guys while. Yeah, you're right. Swain runs kind of a delayed wheel route on the outside, and he's both guys went with DK because that's what they'd been doing the whole game. Yeah, it, it just reminded me of something that that it's just something good fo- that good football teams do. It's good the thing football we teams, get victimized by. 
Yeah, we get killed by this every every year. We don't do enough of this where you just notice the defense doing something and then just destroy them with what they're trying to do. And man, that Swain play is a it's just a perfect example of like what this team it's the it's the ceiling of this team, man. Like that that play is like what we are so capable of. It's what Jermaine Kirsch used to wide open. Yeah. Jermaine Kirsch used to have before he became like big moment Jermaine Kirsch. Uh just forgot about this guy running down the sideline, open for a touchdown. Yeah. And I mean, the thing about this game is there's a story of two Russes. Like Russ, Russ, when he goes kept clean in this game, was 11 for 16, 152 yards and two touchdowns. But when he was under pressure, he had 12 dropbacks, only four for 10. He had the pick six. He had the fumble, the strip fumble, uh, the the Ole play, the first play of the game. Those those plays all happened when he was pressured. They, this I think Russ can be an efficient pocket passer. He can work. He did not work intermediate middle very much in this game, which I was something I was looking for. Just two, two for three for 16 yards in the middle of the field. But he did a good enough job on the rest of the field. And like we said before, you can keep them honest between the numbers with the run game if you're not going to throw there. And boy, howdy, did Rashad Penny do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, like, well, yeah, you're right. It wasn't like perfect dress performance. I, I saw things in this game that I really just appreciated. And I love that they were they were willing to force it to DK enough to make them keep us like swaying their coverage to him so that we could could use all these other guys more efficiently. Right. And like you saw, like even though Metcalf goes five receptions on 10 targets, Lockett goes five for five. Right. Because because you were able to get him five really efficient targets because they're just they're just all over DK's uh, stuff. They're just they're trying so hard to be him. bad guys lining up like 20 yards off the field. Cloud covering DK and stuff is insane. And Nathan, can I just underline something you said, because you kind of you did a drive by on something, but I just want to dig into it a little deeper. Um, so the intermediate part of the field uh, in the middle, you're talking about between 10 and 20 air yards. And the problem throwing against Arizona is that's basically throwing into Buda Baker and uh, Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that's like two like, best that's, players. That's death. Um, but those are also two players where having a 225 pound four four running running back just like blowing straight into them is a nightmare for them. And so um, the two ways that you pull defenders into the middle is you either throw over the middle which frees up those outside throws that Russ is really good at, or you have, or you force them to drop a defender in the box, or they're going to basically let you gash them in the running game. And when your run game is busting off eight yards per attempt, like Kirk Cousins wishes for eight yards per attempt. Yeah. Okay, Eric. R.I.P. Kirk Cousins. One, one more thing, Eric, about this passing game. I got to know. Okay, Colby Parkinson goes two for three in this game. <laughs> looks great doing it. Looks like um, well, looks like a rich man. Looks like a rich man's Luke Wilson. And, or, uh, uh, Luke Wilson with with caps shook off the rest. He so going into next season, uh, I feel like him and Gerald Everett kind of fulfill the same role, right? They're both kind of uh, catch first, uh, sticky handed wide receivers. Uh, Colby's obviously eleven feet tall. And uh, Gerald is is not. Uh, he's little, he's more closer to to my height. Do you feel comfortable going into next season with like just Disley slash Parkinson, or uh, do you do you want Everett back? Is 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 a tight end of position that you feel like we need to uh, to address? Or I, you, I think we think? address it by keeping Gerald Everett. I think running Everett back for another year is a very wise decision. I think we can get him for what we got him for. I think that. So you'd, you'd be fine with offered. like Gerald Everett, same contract as next year. Just don't use him on jet sweeps kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's the Seahawks oh. nest special. No jet sweeps with our tight end. But if uh, we have Parkinson run it, it can be jet park nope. in nope. honor of SeaTac airport. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. Don't I mean, do that. I, I like it the same. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think it would be a big dis- big disgrace to wait i want everyone to stop and slowly visualize uh parkinson running a jet sweep because because i'm uh, doing it right now and it looks like it's not much prettier than (laughs) yeah it's i think it would be a great disservice to this team if we were to not resign gerald everett if we Mm -hmm. didn't bring him back next year because he seemed to be like a, a good a good base for our offense when we had nothing else it's a pretty strong tight end room between him uh 
Parkinson come, you know, coming along and then Disley still, Disley still a guy, right? Big Montana. Like he's, I don't think he's just nothing anymore. Although it does seem like the leg injuries have caught up to him somewhat. Yeah, uh, I wanted, I want to give one more thing that I, I wanted to see in this game that we did not see. And that's Rashad Penny did not get a target in the past game. And um, a guy like him who can work in space, I do think there is value to trying to get him the ball in a, in a, um, with a with some screens, and so I want to I wanted to see that, and I'm a little sad that that we didn't. But uh, well, we is. also didn't get anything any love for D, which is, I mean, he was our top draft pick, so I would have liked to see him get the ball. Okay, let's talk about that D Estridge. Okay, so so we let's go ahead and let's we'll go back in time. Okay, we're back to the draft. Obviously, uh, the D Estridge pick is a is a total disaster, right? Like, especially considering we have a big position of need at center and uh, the likely offensive rookie of the year. Well, he's not going to get offensive rookie of the year, but like the best offensive rookie is uh, highest performing non wide receiver, I guess, because those wide receivers, boy, they were great. Uh, but he was he was excellent for the Chiefs. Yeah, Humphrey. Yeah, yeah, he and uh, I don't know what what the deal is with uh, with with Creed Humphrey why we didn't draft him. I have my theory. You guys know it. Um, he's left handed. That's that's literally like the only thing I can think of. But PFF gave him their first team All Pro, which means that they thought he was the best center in the league this Here's year. Here's the thing. Wow. So so the thing that people were using to criticize Creed Humphrey was that he didn't show a lot of progress from his first year to his last year at Oklahoma. Um, I understand that critique, but if you are basically all conference, and, your yeah, entire year starter, two-year two team captain as a sophomore and a junior with declining talent around you in that run, it's like, okay, so what you're saying is that you want to knock this guy down a peg because he continuously played well despite everything going on around him. And I think too is I think like Seahawks have like arm length stuff that they look at and his arms are really short uh, for, but that, that, that just matters less when you're playing center. I don't at know. At center, they're a little less picky. That's at tackle. Like they're all about that ratio. Yeah. So I think that, uh, so obviously, and then even, even just irrespective of that, maybe Humphrey is completely off the Seahawks board. I mean, we got nothing out of D. Eskridge, who is an an older draft pick, right? We picked a guy that was a little bit older uh, in round two because I think the expectation was we wanted him to step right in and start playing, right? We wanted to to get him in there and do it, and I just he didn't do he didn't do anything this this year. Right. And so Mm-mm. I don't know. Did Josh Myers end up starting for the Packers? Too? Yeah, but not very good. Okay. And got so, injured. So, yeah, I don't know. There's, there was, there was a couple gif- There's like three or four different guys at that point that I thought would have been so, really good fits. And it just, uh, and just even so then, everyone knows Rasheem Green is slightly younger than Dwayne Eskridge. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Fourth year Seahawks legend, <laughs> Rasheem Green. Uh, Rashad Green. Because uh, I'm, 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 I'm a Green. Rashadion Green. I'm practicing to be an NFL announcer. Let me yeah. say this guy's name wrong six six times. Uh, okay. Reginald Graham. Offense. Offense, I think, in the books. We got oh, we got to mention blocking. Uh, Phil Haynes, great. Uh, perfect timing. Just him to have two awesome games right before he's a free agent so we can't afford to re-sign him. I think that's just about... Right, that's very Seahawks pulling um, a George Fant. Love it, love it that he played. Love it that he played a good game at left guard and then right guard, so that we really could see that it didn't matter where we put him. But like they have Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson under contract for two years. There's there's no place for Phil Haynes to play football on this team unless we're moving one of those guys to center. Like it's just there's nothing. Boy, to center. Play. I'm in. I'm. I actually thought that that game Damian Lewis played at center. He was good. So like I don't know if that if they want to do that, I'm like into it. Like if they're like. Damien, we need you to play center so we can have you fill in Gabe Jackson in the middle. I'm like, okay. Oh, that's so beefy. I'm in. <laughs> cool. Like, that's that's fine with me. Uh, I think Jake Curran has shown that he is an NFL caliber backup tackle, which is awesome. Like, the fact that he can come in and not totally embarrass himself. Yeah, he had that one bad play in this game. <laughs> but but, yeah, but uh, <laughs> when you just forget to block their best pass rusher, that's problematic. Yeah, but but but, he, but like other than that, I mean, he's really solid. I I think if he sticks around for two or three years and is kind of a the guy behind the guy. Now, if we go into next season with our plan as Jake Curran is our starter, uh, 
that's, that's a tire fire. That's that's a that's a problem. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that we got more out of him than than Stone Forsyth. It seems like it seems like um, they uh, they found their guy after the draft as opposed to to in it. But that's I'm I'm cool with that. And we need we need a guy. We needed multiple tackles to develop into either fringe starters slash backups. And so I'm glad one of those two guys turned out. And then, um, well, and I don't think you can write off Stone Forsyth either because when he did get limited play, I thought he was effective. Um, I think there's a lot to say about maybe, uh, they're really grooming him hard for that left tackle spot, and so they didn't want to play him on the right side. Um, the other thing is we do kind of use that road grader on the right side to set up the run game, and that's not really his strength. Uh, Jake Curhan, I don't love the fact he played 405 snaps and. He didn't play super well, but he didn't get completely embarrassed. And for a UDFA, that's good. I, I think honestly, it's still a got, sort of a roster construction problem, though. He got better as the season went on. Like his his best four games were all at the end of the year. Yeah. So, like, I think that it's good. It's it's they developed they developed a player who can be a swing tackle. Like that's that is a I huge success. This is a huge success for this team. I think he's better than Jamarco. Like already, I think that I like him better than. One, he's healthy. <laughs> that's a big one. That's a that's yeah. a low blow. You need your, yeah, you, best you ability need your, is availability. You need your you need your backup to be on the field all the time. That's that's helpful. Okay, and then uh, Ethan Posich, uh, great swan song for him. They had a really good game blocking. He was the leader. Um, this is his last game in a Seahawks uniform, unless things have gone seriously wrong. If we enter next next season with Ethan Posich starting at center. Uh, we are in trouble, folks. <laughs> this is a, this is That's a, a big problem. Oof. This is a problem. Eric, are you scared that they might run back this same offensive line next year? Uh, no, because I I think they're gonna have to. They have move to change on. a few things. They have move to move on. Between Brown, between Brown is gone, and if he's not, then I will. Unless they can get on like a super pal deal, there's no way he's coming back that I would be happy with, and. I think we're probably going to patchwork this offensive line together. I don't. I have a I feeling. I don't think gonna we're going to be getting like this big name we want. I think we're going to spend, dude. I have a I have a weird feeling that like that if if you know like Teron Armstead doesn't get uh does not get franchised that we are going to take a serious run at him because it's like our time to finally like get one of these guys right like and he's thirty years old so like maybe we can get him uh for slightly less than, than maybe he's supposed to go for. Although I think he'll be very expensive. Because uh, he's eating up all of our free agent I, money. I think that he could eat up like half of it right off the bat. Yeah. I think there's a chance that like 20 million of it's gone right off the top or more just to, just to like sign a tackle. But it's, but it's worth it. Like this is the kind of thing that uh, what one, it will show, it will show a commitment to Russ, which I, we need to do at this point. Like this, we need to commit and. Honestly, like this defense, what's the, what does this defense really need? Like a pass rusher and a corner and some cornerbacks. Like the rest of the defense is pretty set. I guess re-sign Quandre. We're gonna go into this a ton in the off season, so I don't want to like overdo it. But um, yeah, it's it's like interesting. Yeah, we need to- one or two pieces along the offensive line, though. But I think I think we can all agree on that. Like a center and a left tackle, something like that. Is, that, is that's really exactly going to matter. Thinking, Kevin. Interior offensive linemen are just available in the second round. That's why I don't. That's why I don't and, mind being like our plan is to get the interior offensive linemen in the draft, and our pl- and then the left tackle we're going to just load up, load, back up the money truck. Here, here we here we come. Yeah, because it's going to be at least eighteen mil if we want to get a top guy. Oh, like that's more, just a fact. More than that, minimum eighteen mil. No, people are going to look at that Trent Williams contract and they're going to be like. Like left tackles are salivating. They're they are they they are like, oh man, did you see yeah. that Trent Williams got what what did Trent Williams how much twenty three. But Colton Miller got eighteen in the same thing and he's younger, so that's why I'm thinking kind of Colton Miller's contract basically represents Oof. the floor. Oof. Yeah, twenty twenty three APY with forty million guaranteed at fully guaranteed at age thirty three. That is just yeah, I think that Armstead's gonna try to beat that. But I'm like I said, I'm fine with it. If we're the team that beats it, I'm not going to cry because I, I really want to. I want to. Okay, here's the thing. The Seahawks need to stop doing what they've been doing for years. For years, we have watched this team go into free agency with a bunch of money and walk out with 15 guys that cost $8 million. Okay? 
and I'm done with that. That is that is the past. That's old Seahawks. That's not working. That what you know what that leads to? Ten and seven and a divisional round playoff loss. This team needs to push their chips in and get some guys who are legitimate stars at their position. Because the thing about players like that is they make the other players around them who aren't good better. Okay, and we just don't have enough of those guys. Like on our offensive line, Dwayne is aged out. Like he was that guy who could make guys around him better, but now he's just not. If we get a left tackle that you can just leave on an island, it frees everyone else up to play better. We saw this with Walter Jones for years, right? Every single guy who played around that guy was was amazing because, and I mean, Hutchinson was good in his own right. So let's not, let's give him some credit. But like even other guys that played next to Walt that weren't Steve Hutchinson played awesome because it's easy to play next to a guy who's always just going to win. Right. And yeah, Teron Armstead isn't Walter Jones, but he's freaking good. <laughs> so, yeah. Does his injury history uh, worry you at all? Or uh, do we just kind of have to accept that left tackles miss two to three games a season? Yeah. And also, you got to bet big to win so you, big. I'm ready. I'm ready to see how some, it's been since Walt, though. Like, that's the thing. Missing you a got, few games here and there. I say you got to bet big to win big. Like, you have to make these big bets. It's, it's very safe to just sign a bunch of guys that are, that cost less money. And then go into next season with a with a deep roster that's just not great and plan on making the playoffs because Russ is is Russ, right? Or it's the thing you do if you already have all of the big pieces and you're trying to fill around. Like that's what Bill's done for years in New England, where he's got the big pieces and then you kind of yeah. build out the back end of the roster with these like third wave free agency deals. But we need big pieces. But if you like, yeah, that, that works if you already have like, like New England used to have Chandler Jones or New England used to have Stephon Gilmore. Like you already have the best player that you can count on. I don't think, unfortunately, I don't think Jamal Adams is that guy. And I'm really unsure what's going to happen with Bobby Wagner. We owe him a lot of money this offseason and it's going to be, it might be restructure or bust with Bobby, which is depressing. But $20 million is a lot to pay for a middle linebacker, especially when we saw these last two weeks that we can kind of get away with, uh, with not having uh, two two Pro Bowl caliber middle linebackers on the field at the same time, right? We got we uh you don't need Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner. It's kind of an excess. So I don't want us to get rid of Bobby Wagner. I'm not saying that, but uh, if we I'm can not, convert some of that to make it so it is not the same cat void not, years, void saying, years, void years. I'm saying that twenty million dollars <laughs> for one season is quite a lot, and it could be extension. But that's a long t- that Bobby's gonna be so old at the end of that extension. All right. Well, here's the thing. He's uh right now he's a free agent in twenty twenty three, so he's got two years left after this year. Mm-hmm. He'll be thirty years old next season. So we could extend him to like his age thirty five season. Sure. So yeah, but his so his cap number no, he has one season left at twenty point three five million dollars for twenty twenty two. Well, I and think then, you want to at least buy him up to age 32. He's he's aging in a way is, where he's good. That is age 32. Next year, 2022 is age Oh, 32. sorry. I was looking at his signed age, not his current age. Yeah. No, hmm. no. Yeah. And so if we cut him, we save $16.6 million. Like that's a, that's a, that's significant. I don't know. They, they are going to do something. Bobby, I guarantee you, Bobby, it, it's unlikely Bobby just walks into camp next year. But they did that with Dwayne Brown. They just had him play out his contract. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like smart, uh, it doesn't seem like smart thing, a smart thing to do. And I don't think you want to alien and alienate him either because no. he's going into the hall of fame. <laughs> so, and he's, well, uh, he's, he's been on our team. For he so keeps long. saying in interviews, he doesn't know what's going to happen next year, which means, you know, that he, he realizes that holding out is a thing. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, like looking at linebacker, linebacker contracts, you know, I do think he should be making closer to like 14, next year like that seems more reasonable to me something like that and so it's just it's a lot to to spend and you know they overpaid they overpaid him this year and last year they he made a lot of money and so it could be what loses us quandre and that's that's problematic for the way the rest of this defense is built out it could be what loses us dj reed let's just say this would you rather have dj reed and quandre Diggs or bobby wagner next year like that those that's a very real question the team might have to ask themselves like, what would you say, Eric? Would you rather have Bobby Wagner or both DJ Reed and Quandre Diggs? DJ Reed and Quandre Diggs. Yeah. I want to win. I want to win. And uh, you can look back at a ton of franchises. You can look back at Seattle franchises. Uh, you can look at, I mean, geez, the Mariners did this. The Sonics did this. Like, hanging on to beloved players for so long 
and thinking, oh, we're just going to make one more run. Well, I don't, we can't, we can't just get rid of these guys. We can't just cut ties. And then you, you dive into this, into this like shallow pool of mediocrity that then becomes a deeper pool. It's like quicksand. And it's, and it's, it's much better it to get rid of a guy like this one year too early than one year too late. Mm-hmm. I mean, like look at, look at all the, the Legion of Boom and how that happened. You got to be ruthless a little bit. And I think that that's a ruthless move this team might have to make. I'm not, I'm not in love with it. Bobby Wagner is, he's the last surviving member of the, the Super Bowl champion defense, right? And, and maybe a, the best a team culture perspective. That's rough. Like that's, that's really going to put, you know, Pete to the test as far as like, because yeah. Bobby's a big part of the buy-in on that defense. I think you, I think that they have found themselves another middle of the field tone setter in Jordan Brooks yeah. and they, and they have another guy who's a middle of the field tone setter in Jamal Adams. I don't think that, I don't think it will ruin the team to not have him. It, it is what it is. No, I, I just think it. I just think it's, it, it's a really rough situation that they put themselves in. So since we're on the defense, do we want to talk a little about this game? Sure. Let's do it. So the Seahawks defense, uh, I thought they had a pretty solid game in this one. Not, not a, nothing, nothing too crazy. They definitely, the one thing I love is they really got after the quarterback in this. Yes. Game. Mm-hmm. So, so 21 per total pressure, six sacks, uh, a hurry, 17, uh, hurries. We were batting the ball down at the line too. a couple batted down passes done. Dunlap. We'll start with Dunlap. Okay. What we said, <laughs> la- we said, uh, last week, you know, if he gets the snaps, uh, he will get to, uh, 10 sacks and boy, he made it. Our boy made yeah, it. Is that funny? 10 sacks. Uh, and, and, um, the, I think Dunlap is really just a really solid defensive end. Like I can't, I, I'm glad he's back under contract for next year. I'm glad he, he, uh, his ankle is all good. We got out of this, we got out of this game with the field got us. Okay. I said the number one thing I was afraid of was this field. The field did get us. Okay. That was pretty good too. Got Quandre. Uh, they got Quandre tor- so late in the game too. Like, yep. I, I almost see. snuck out of there. Yeah, I thought um, we were going to get away with it. Now the the thing with uh the thing with Dunlap is the like you mentioned he's under contract for next season, and what's really cool about that is it takes some of the pressure off of finding somebody to pair with Daryl Taylor or Daryl Taylor. God, you got me doing it with Daryl Taylor because <laughs> uh, Daryl Taylor thing. is legitimately showing himself to be um, a potential stud young pass rusher, and so having Dunlap as a pass rushing specialist if we use him correctly. And I really think we saw Kerry Hyder's floor. I think he's a better player than that. Can he be mm. worse? Right, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, can we, like we saw his floor. If we can bring back Rasheem Green, I think we saw this season, Carlos Dunlap plus Rasheem Green plus Daryl Taylor is an effective outside pass rush. And if we can add a piece to that, that's awesome. But if we don't, it's not broken. I, I would agree, love Kevin. to see us add one of those kind of guys who's just like a pass rush only specialist, you know, like a like when we Bring signed Dwight, Martin. Dwight Freeney or you know what I mean? Like just a guy who's kind of on his last legs, who's Ten years back, who's just only out there to rush the passer. I mean, obviously, we're going to use Dunlap in a more varied role. That's just the way that this defense has worked so far. This year. So long. We're going to we're going to use him. Uh, we're going to use him in coverage. How many times do you think he dropped back in coverage this game, guys? Don't look, Kevin. Three. Don't cheat. I'll go two. Five. Oh, dear. Five, five times Taylor. I'm glad when you times. add our both of our answers together, it's right. That's that's, that's a good so, sign. That's disgusting. Six times Mayoa. At least no defensive tackles like drop back into coverage in this game. But oh boy, victory. But wow. yeah, those those all those five dropbacks should be pass rushes. I don't know. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. This team is. Going back to what Kevin said about the pass rush, it feels like in the offseason, every year we're looking at who can we add, how can we manufacture pass rush. We have enough players, they're young enough, they're under contract. I think you're good with just if you find find a diamond in the rough in the draft or you find like someone who's cheap in free agency where the leftover money, like don't go looking for a guy. I think you're just going to find someone if you need him. I think it's going to be fine. This is this is the one part of the team that I feel good about. Yeah. It's the that we have a we have a, a nice mix. I would love to see us bring in uh if we if we decide to move on from Cam Norton, and I think it's been 4 years now, right? As defensive coordinator for Ken Norton, I think we 
can say that it's probably a good idea to part to move on there. But if we decide to move on Ken Norton, I would love to see us bring in a guy that's defensive line focused because we have a lot of nice pieces and I do feel like we could get even more out of them. Um, yeah. It's it there's a lot of nice Puna Ford had a good game in here, the three run stops, the two sacks. Uh just yeah, we have a lot of really nice pieces that I think could kind of go to the next level a little bit. I think that the secondary is where we're either going to need to sign new guys or bring in new guys. It was nice to see uh, these cornerbacks coming in. Um, Sidney Jones played pretty good in this game, I thought. And they, we, we really seem to have found a way to, you know, once we moved on from Trey Flowers, <laughs> just to kind of get more out of out of these guys. So, yeah. is it? Do you want Sidney? Is Sidney Jones? On, he's not under contract for next year or anything, is he? No, he's not. He's a guy I would love to bring back on a cheap deal, which I think we would get him on. He's yeah. a good system fit, and he provides really solid. Like again, if he's our Akeem King moving forward, a plus, good or our Deshaun Jed. Would love to see him be our third cornerback <laughs> going into next season. That's exactly right. Yeah, just the, the guy who's there to to back up, you know, either DJ Reed or two new cornerbacks. DJ Reed and a, and a new cornerback, or t- t- well, of course Trey will be back, and yep. I think Trey. So DJ Reed slash Trey is is okay. I would. I think you can look to upgrade a little bit from DJ there. Not no. Not trying to to slam DJ or anything. And or we could just get DJ and and Trey, and then maybe really do a big upgrade at nickel cornerback because nickel cornerback was a problem throughout the season. Or I'd love to draft a person to come in and um, provide depth and challenge for a starting spot outside. Like cornerbacks, a position that I feel like you could spend a mid round pick on every year, just like how, just like running back. Yeah, bring a bring a guy in and and see let him compete for jobs there there is going to be positions where there's competition this year probably tackle offensive tackle there'll probably be a competition at least one of the two spots cornerback seems like another one where there's going to be a little bit of competition and we can maybe we could see Pete Carroll go back to to trying to to dig a diamond out of the rough with uh with a little bit of competition right that that's kind of the uh the Pete Carroll way so all right uh, Eric What's, yeah. What's your, what was your who's your who's your star? Who's your favorite defensive player? Your boy Cody Barton played seventy seven snaps. He certainly did, and uh, he was fine. He was fine. I'm glad that they got him one really big full game because there was a spot open on the field. <laughs> now we can see that he's kind of a fringe player. Like, yeah, which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe with more playing time, he busts out a little. I don't think he's going to be Jordan Brooks good. Um, and I'll I'll just take the layup here. I'll go Jordan Brooks. Fourteen tackles in this game is a mighty fine number. He was just all over the field. He was uh, sealing Oosh. edges. He was getting in gaps. Oh yeah, was, killing it in the run game, man. The way yes. he's nice and into the backfield, just destroying. Yeah, he was hitting the gaps, but also he would sit there and like he wouldn't he wouldn't overcommit. He wouldn't undercommit. He would just like take a step, sit back, and then immediately bullet in and uh, murdering screens. Yeah, just delightful. It was uh, that's that's a great player, uh, honestly. That needed to have it, it was a great situation with a player who needed to have a a good season, or I don't know if he had a breakout season, but sure, sure, let's go with uh, some some media so, words breakout so here, season. Here's the thing, guys, is that yeah, the Seahawks. the the thing The thing about this game is when I look at the defensive stats, the first thing I went and looked at was. Kyler Murray, because he threw he threw 48 times, right? So I was like, I want to look at what Kyler Murray did. Uh, where was he throwing the ball? And where was he successful throwing the ball? Well, you know where he's successful throwing the ball? He went 11 for 13 from 0 to 20 yards in the middle of the field. Okay? we It's just enough is enough. I, can't take, Bobby. I cannot take this. It's not even that. Even when Bobby was on the field, this was happening. I can't take it anymore. The way it's not it is not the personnel. There's no way it's the personnel. It has happened so many weeks in a row now. There's no way that this is a that this is a personnel problem. This is a this is a team. This is a, a scheme problem. Yeah. The way we are scheming is allowing teams to throw it between the numbers on us over and over and over again. So the scheme needs to change whether that comes from Pete Ken Norton Jr., whatever. I don't care. I don't care where it comes from. It needs to change 100%. I just cannot do it anymore. They cannot let, just let teams, teams kill us like that. It's so frustrating. So that's it. That was my defensive. That was my uh, my constructive defensive note was, you know, it's this 
the same problems are cropping up still. So, except they've okay. cropped up in a really bad year. All right. Um, well, on a positive note to end it with, then, uh, full time defensive tackle, part time fullback in my heart, Puna Ford, six mm. pressures, two sacks, and looking like Puna Ford. Um, yeah, uh, he was absolutely pushing everybody around in the middle. And it's a shame that we weren't able to do more with him on uh, when he was super cheap. But uh, he's a guy I'd love to be bringing back. And because he has an unusual body type and um, he performs really well in ways that aren't always completely expected. Uh, he's a guy I could see us getting back on, um, you know, a pretty decent contract. And if our rotation, I think it's a little deeper that would benefit him playing closer to like six to 700 snaps instead of over 800. Uh, oh yeah. Big. I want to give big props to one more person. I don't know. They will this message will not give to get to them or anything, but Josh Jones, uh, coming in, coming yeah, in, good cold, job, kid. coming in cold off the, off the practice. squad played a good game of football. Um, I, I, I like that 69 pro football focus rating had six tackles, uh, had three, had uh, three run stops, uh, got targeted four times, only gave up two catches, had a nice pass breakup. This is a, I don't know, I like stuff like that. I think that the, the, the guys we've had coming in cold in the secondary have played all right. If our scheme could prevent teams from throwing it over the middle over and over, then <laughs> that would be that, nice. That'd be good. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's let's talk DVOA really quick before we get and then get into the uh, the, the money zone and the and the movie club. But uh, so DVOA is a is is an advanced stat that tries to tell us like what would happen uh, over it stands for drive value over average. And what they do is on in, based on situation. So that's down distance, field position, and time uh, in the history of the NFL. What would you expect to happen on that play? And then did you do better or worse than that? <laughs> Okay. Pretty simple. Right. So like, you know, first and 10 from the 20, you know, they have lots of data for that, you know, right. right? But so we actually finished the season eighth, right. Right in, right in line with the, with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, our D our offense was seventh. Our defense was 21st. Our special teams was actually great. This is, this is what killed Green Bay because Mason Crosby is having a terrible season. Our special <laughs> yeah, teams, our special teams was fifth uh, because we have a great punter and Jason Myers, although he was not amazing this year was, was fine. Um, Every other year. Every other year, he's the best, and then in the other in the off years, he's very average. Uh, and yeah, they, our expected win total was nine point three, based on how we played, which I think is fair. I think nine and eight would have been pr- pretty. We were we were we were a slightly above average football team this year. Yep. Uh, hmm. uh, very unlucky, you know, the quarterback injuries. We lost every we lost a ton of very close games. Uh, whereas usually. It seems like with the Seahawks, those bounced the other way, probably because of Russ, right? And he was not healthy. Um, but I don't think that missing the playoffs is undeserved in this case, because you know, if when you're a, when you're a slightly above average football team, all it takes is some bad bounces to uh, to knock you out of the playoffs. It's not like we were great. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of my my uh, my final recap uh, the season. I'm sure we'll talk about this team so much more because we're going to keep recording every Tuesday. So so I don't want to go too much into it. Do you guys have any uh, thoughts you want to give before we uh, head to the uh, the money zone? Uh, do we want to do some bandwagoning for the teams that did make the playoffs? Uh, sure. Uh, I want, I want the Eagles. one team to bandwagon? Okay, I want, if I, okay, if I'm choosing with my heart, I want the Eagles to win. Not because I hate the Ooh. city of Philadelphia and I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I love. One bridge sitting on I love Jalen Hurts though. I I love Jalen Hurts because he seems like just a really good person, and he's such a he's such like a a good leader. He's not quite good enough at football <laughs> to to be to be to be to be awesome, but he's like so good at at the leadership portion of it that I kind of pull pull for him in my heart. Um, now, if I want to pick a team that has a realistic chance of actually, you know winning winning the championship i want the Bengals to win um i think that the Bengals, one that city has suffered so long two they're not going to be able to hold this team together because their owner's a cheap bastard <laughs> and so 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 I, I just think that like this is kind of it they have like this season and next season to win and their coach is not great but they had they drew an awesome matchup in round one and i i really think they're gonna i want to see them uh 
push for the title. There's a lot of teams I don't like in this playoffs. Can I can I say that? I was about to say, yeah. like, for the NFC team, I feel like you chose the only team that I don't hate because it's Philly or the team that has Tom Brady or a rival or Dallas who sucks. Yeah, you got to root for division rivals, D- Dallas, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the honestly, the second most likable team in the NFC is probably the Buccaneers. <laughs> For me, it's Dallas just because I like their players. I don't like Jerry Jones. I don't like the city. I don't like their fans. But <laughs> I don't Dallas like, yeah, I don't yeah, like looking that. at them. I think Philly or Dallas losing in the Super Bowl to uh, one of the AFC teams is probably the most desirable outcome for us. I would agree yeah, there, with that. There's only like one one AFC team that has a chance to win that I, I'm going to be slightly rooting against, which is the Bills. But uh, like I like all the other AFC teams. How can we get a root against the Bills? I've I've made my feelings Nobody about circles the, Bills the wagons so clear for years now. I, I think they're. It, I don't like them. I don't. I don't like the Bills. I don't like they're they're jumping through tables, idiot fans throwing piss balloons at, at kids and stuff. Like these are, <laughs> these are the these are the dirt tier fans for me. And they had a chance to knock Ben Roethlisberger out of the playoffs, and they blew it, which is unforgivable. They could have retired. That's a valid point. He, he already he conceded he wasn't making the playoffs, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, we're playing next week." Okay. Yeah. Well, in all fairness, that's a <laughs> that's a, the Chargers' fault for not being able to stop a running back. Uh, oh the Chargers gosh, that... had the best. Uh, Bobby A. Bear's kid, uh, Justin Herbert, had the greatest <laughs> had the greatest quote. He said, "I've never rooted so hard for a tie in my life." Hey, <laughs> hey, starting quarterback. If my starting quarterback said that, I would crucify him on my Seahawks podcast. I think I think he meant just I think he meant just at the end of the game. But I will say I don't care. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon you Staley, are we are here to win the game, Herm Edwards. Brandon Staley galaxy brained himself so hard on that play. Like, okay, I, I'll do a single play breakdown for this play because I think like people. I I, I, hope think, people I don't like think the timeout was the was the horrible part. No, the, the timeout was the horrible. Timeout was not terrible. Okay, so they they call the timeout to get Kenneth Murray off the field, which he does suck against the run. I agree, but but he also sucks against the pass. So why are you playing look, him? But that's a different look at story. The, look at the set that they come out. They come out in shotgun. They're going to do an inside zone handoff to to Josh Jacobs. That is a very stoppable play. Okay, so they're going to run inside zone. They call a timeout. Well, when after they come out of the timeout, the Raiders don't come out and play inside zone. They come out and they come out in the I formation. And Derek Carr <laughs> motions the motions the receiver over, and they leave Asante Samuel over Foster Moreau to set the edge. It's terrible! That's <laughs> this is not going to work. Like I don't know. You're gonna edge set with a cornerback. Not big. You're gonna edge set with like a five ten cornerback against Foster Moreau. Like of course. So then of course Derek Carr sees this and he's like, oh, we're running that way. Like. Der- Derek Carr's so underrated. Like he came out there and just engineered like a ten yard play for them, and then they win the game. It's dude, the Chargers are dumb. The Chargers are the big dumb. Yeah, they are. They, they deserve. They, they charged deserve. it up so bad. They can go through so many uh, coaches and front offices, and at the end of the day, you can move cities, but you're still Chargers. All right. Well, unlike the Chargers, there are many ways to help Back. the Seahawks nest because you can't help the Chargers. Uh, the, the best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, uh, get access to the Discord because we're shutting down picks for the for the uh, for the for the off season. Picks is going to sleep. We'll probably do like a fun couple fun off season. They pull into third, into third place, though. Kevin's in third and he's got to finish the job now with this playoff. <laughs> Kevin, finishing the job. All right. So thanks to everyone who I supports can't pull us. pull a Brandon Staley. Yeah, don't do it. Don't galaxy brain yourself, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> this week's pretty easy. Just pick pick all favorites, apparently. That's what they're saying. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I'm, I'm only picking one underdog this week. I'm picking the Pats. Uh, all Everything else is favorite. So thanks to those who support the show. Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Flocktimus, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, David, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, M- Michael, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and of course, our once and future king, the all-time sponsor, Blake, of Washington Fish Quest on YouTube. Okay, uh, we watched Shang-Chi, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Now, here's the thing I think you guys should know about me, is that we, we every week we like kind of talk in the group chat about what movies we're watching, and I'm like, hey guys, I only watch movies for children now, because I'm always around children. But I convinced my son to watch this movie, and throughout the whole movie, 
he's just looking at me and he goes, he's saying things like, daddy, this is too scary for kids. (laughs) (laughs) But then, but then I, and then I go, do you want me to turn it off Odin? And he'd go, no, we can watch it. So, so, so uh, it was too- real, real coming of age moment there for uh, for the low. <laughs> it was too scary for kids, but we got to watch it, which is pretty cool. Now, I'm going to tell you this, Kevin. If you would have told me that the director of the Glass Castle was going to direct a, a Marvel movie, well, first I'd say no. But then after after we, I said that, I but would I said, say Wait, they're also the director of Short Term Twelve, and you'd say that doesn't tell me anything else. Yeah, that doesn't help. Uh, so, so it was very, it was a very interesting choice uh, for director here. But I actually, uh, on in terms of Marvel movies, I found this movie quite enjoyable. Uh, I liked the banter between uh, Aquafina and uh, Katie. Sorry, Katie and Sean. Uh, to be, I found that to be very fun, and I, I think it kind of kept the movie uh, moving a little bit. Like their their uh, their chemistry, on screen chemistry was was pretty good. And then um, I love little Tony as the villain. I think that that's like basically the best person that you could have in your movie. Cause if he's you like, said that you're going to have a movie where Tony Leung and I friggin' I um, Michelle Yeoh, Michelle we're going to take turns yeah. reading, um, reading the newspaper. I'd be like, well, I, I guess I'm watching that movie. Cause I don't really yeah. care what you have. Those two people do. It's going to be a movie worth watching. Yeah, so it's it's really cool that they they had they got the le- the legend like the basically the most legendary. It, the only person you could have put in this movie that I would like more is obviously Chow Yun Fat, like obviously. But the but so like gotta this, say something for the sequel, Nathan. Gotta, yeah, if <laughs> if Chow Yun Fat's in Shang Chi too, like I'm watching that movie in the theater. I don't even care. I'll, I won't even wait. I'm gonna be like Odin. This is your first theater movie. So yeah, yes. I I'll say this. Um, I thought that early in the movie, I was really enjoying all the fight scenes. Like, man, Razor Fist on the bus. That's sweet. This is cool. That scaffold fight scene. Man, that thing oh, slapped, that's great. That thing slapped really hard. Really good use of uh, interesting locations. Yeah. Like, great fight scenes always have locations that are like extra characters in the fight. But as the, movie wore, on too. as the movie wore on, it's kind of like the same opinion I had of WandaVision, where it's like at the beginning, I'm like, all right, they're doing a thing. It's kind of different. And then as the movie wore on, it, it kind of turned it went on in a more like boilerplate Marvel movie direction, which is as, as it is known on this podcast, it's not my personal favorite. Um, I thought the fight choreography this movie is great though. And um, yeah, it, Aquafina stole like every second of the movie she was in. She was great. So yeah, I'm uh, I would, I, I give it a solid three out of five. I thought it was really fun. Um, I would recommend this to anyone. All right. Um, Eric is our resident super nerd, comic guy, comic book yeah. guy. Give me a well, actually, or, <laughs> give give me uh give me give me your thoughts well he wasn't uh he wasn't wearing uh red gi pants and no shirt with a red uh red bandana so the primary villain should have been like way more of a racial stereotype like in the comics (laughs) well it wasn't uh, racist enough but actually kevin (laughs) um, (laughs) so (laughs) uh shang chi was good i i'm on the same wavelength uh i i didn't think aquafina stole every scene i i gotta be honest i could do with less aquafina i'm that guy I am. I know. I know. End of that teeter. Kevin. Kevin is. Uh, Kevin is very mad at me right now because he. I want the Benedict Aquafina. Aquafina two-person movie Marvel movie that's going to be coming. Oh, no, Be- please don't. Benedict do that. Wong and Aquafina. That, that's yeah, the thing I, is, I felt like they dosed it in there like the right amount. It is the I kind agree. of thing you can easily overdo, <laughs> where yes. where she's like bantering or like. But they did a good job. I, I don't know if they, it's bantering or if she just says, "Oh hell no!" Nah, all the time. Or they that's they cut they cut to her and she'd just be like drinking a drink. I think that's a smart <laughs> way. That's a smart way to do it, as opposed to like like just have her make a face and and instead of instead of like yelling something random. I, I would know. like that better too. Uh, just maybe a little more subtlety. Uh, no, I like this movie. My review when it came out was. Man, when that movie was a kung fu movie, it was like a four out of five. When it was a fantasy movie, it was a two out of five. Mm-hmm. And that's why we all kind of settle in the middle of the road. When they when they get to the the final setting, the, the final place for battle, <laughs> I don't know. I felt like that's the budget was like, hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna build a hut by a lake and uh Put some CGI in the background, and that's gonna that's gonna be the mythical world. Like the climactic <laughs> fight of the whole movie was the worst fight scene in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah I think we can all agree on that. It was just I mean, generic Marvel junk. 
CGI, CGI fight scenes where like people are shooting like big magic blasts off of each other are so boring. Like I don't I don't understand how people invest emotionally in them. Like it's just it's just some guy like it's like because twenty years of, ago they did because you'd never seen it and now it's expected and no one can the person like, that figures out how to get at around least it that, wasn't shaky cam. It's like oh, anime fight scenes where like Dragon Ball where like a guy just like charges up a blast and shoots it at the other guy and like yeah it's kind of fun but like. It's it's a for me it just like it's not a, it's not as cool as like like my I'll favorite fight scenes in my favorite yeah that's what I'm talking about baby uh, no but like I just like the my favorite Marvel that fight scene definitely not for kids and I'll be I'll be honest this scaffolding fight scene is in the mix for my favorite Marvel fight scene in any Marvel movie the it's right there too the bus scene right. is my favorite uh, the bus scene is I was just like on the edge of my seat I was so excited it's so, so cool. And it and it it's right in there with like the the casino fight scene in Black Panther is is one of the other ones that I always point to as like one of my favorite Marvel fight scenes because there's just nothing it's just a it's a legit choreographed martial arts fight scene you know it's not like a guy uh, pretending to throw a shield off of a guy and then CGI putting it in in, in afterwards you know and it's like it's 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 like a re- real stuff going on and I know people are gonna hate me for my my opinions on this but I just that's what I like to see in my. Uh, I like more grounded stuff. So I that's maybe why I like more Batman and I'm I'm really excited for the Batman more than I would be for a for, and I mean I'll be honest, Batman has a lot of crappy movies. Like there there were bat nipples on the bat suit. Like I'm not saying every Batman movie is good. There are No, bat- but you know you, you know the good <laughs> ones when you see them. Uh yeah, they are the good ones are very good. And I don't know, I think there are there's a, ask us movie. This movie could have delivered at the end in a way that was different that I think would have been more satisfying to me, but I'm I'm like you said, there's an expectation now, right, Eric? Absolutely. Here's- and I think the the trying to fit Batman in oh, wait, our expectation on Batman or expectation on Marvel. No, there's an there's an expectation in Marvel movies about kind of what's what it, what we're gonna Sorry. build up to. Yeah, they need to be Marvelly enough. Though well, I do need to be I think the post credit scene was delightful at the bar. Marvelly <laughs> but also they're they're always trying to set things up. What was kind of sad about Shang-Chi is that that was it was a in theater release only, right? That's what they wanted to do. They didn't want to stream it first. And so there's a scene in the movie where uh, where Shang-Chi goes and fights at this underground club. And they specifically put this Marvel villain in the movie just so people would go see the movie. Abomination. Yeah. Abomination. He shows up in the he was in every commercial for no reason. And when you saw the movie, he is in that for the exact amount of time you saw him in the commercial. And it was like. Man, and that was perfect. <laughs> if you that's fine, but if you had just maybe worked harder at quit trying to build universes so much, I mean, they're trying to make money and they're very good at it. But I, I just would have liked maybe a a more kung fu better movie. You know, kung fu. I just said kung fu. So for me, what, it's still upper tier Marvel, though. Oh yeah, it's great. It's great. I had, I had a lot of fun with this movie. The the thing is, um. I hate about the cross post credit scenes in a Marvel movie is that like it's um this is what it's like it's like um you wait 14 minutes and then someone <laughs> and then someone walks onto the out of a doorway and then someone and then I have to google who it is and then and then that that's me and well sometimes I know right away but a lot of times I just like I'm like okay that's a thing that happened like it's like it's like they introduce, like they just use it to introduce new characters. It's like a, it's like a trailer for the next movie. Yeah, it's like I, it's like I have to sit through fourteen minutes of a, of a, uh, of a credits to, credits. Get a, yeah. to do a, tr- to do a trailer for the next movie. It's like kind of silly, um, but but you know what? It builds hype, and these movies are these movies are kind of a hype based economy. So I totally get it. Uh, not really spoiling anything, but the. Uh... The second end credits for the Spider-Mans is literally a trailer. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all right, um, Shang Chi. You Kevin, you gave it a four. You said. Yeah, I gave it a four, four which is the highest. It's it's right there with like Thor Ragnarok um, for the highest I give Marvel movies. Yeah, what'd you give it, Eric? I give, give it three and a half out of five. I don't have it in my upper tier. There's a lot I liked about this movie. A lot I didn't what's like. What's your What's your What's your like What's your top? I feel like I don't know. What's your top top? Marvel Num- movies. Number one is Winter Soldier. Okay. I think you got to probably put one of the Avengers Endgame probably in there. Um, and then I like Black Panther better than this for sure. Way, you know, way more. You know what's impressive about Endgame is that um, 
it's not just the the movie itself. The movie itself is solid, but the fact that it effectively delivers on like 16 years of movies is pretty insane. Yep. Or and I think it like, was that's the the first the first one there was Endgame and the other one I can't I I get them mixed up. But Infinity War. Infinity I think Infinity War I'll probably put above Endgame just because right. isn't that isn't that the first one's Infinity War and the second yes. one's Endgame, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, having, I, having to hear uh, all the comic nerds say "I love you" three thousand for three months was like, okay, maybe this movie isn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, for Eric and for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks! Love you three thousand, Eric. <laughs>